When I became a foster mom four years ago, I quickly realized there weren't many resources for foster or adoptive parents, much less for the millennial generation. That's where the Millennial Foster Mom Podcast comes in. Welcome to a no-frills look at the journey of foster parenting. It's millennial motherhood with real chats about all things foster care, from navigating home visits, court hearings, bio parents, and quote-unquote, getting to attach. Please join me every week for an honest conversation about foster care and adoption as a millennial mom. Welcome to the Millennial Foster Mom Podcast. So welcome back to the Millennial Foster Mom Podcast. My name is Brittany and I am a millennial foster and adoptive mom. My husband and I have had 10 kids in our home since we became licensed in 2016 and we have adopted three kids. We currently have four kids under eight and our youngest is four. We have one foster placement right now, but if you'd like to hear more about our story and how we came to foster, please consider listening to episode one titled Our Foster Care Story. Well, (laughs) I am finally back. I did not mean to take a month-long hiatus from this podcast, and if you are new here, just know that... um, welcome. But I have a little bit of a life update before we jump into the episode today. So I've always said that I would much rather put out a shorter episode than none at all. But this last month, that just became something that I just could not keep up with. And it just felt so overwhelming. Um, about four or five weeks ago, I found out that one of my family members has a terminal illness and only has a few more months if that to live and it kind of came out of the blue for me um and so we spent the weekends following traveling and spending as much time with her as possible and the weekends we couldn't be with her we just tried to make time as our own family to save her together and i feel like this last last month has been really a big eye-opener as cheesy as that sounds um, it's just been so mentally and emotionally draining you know being on the go every weekend and then being at school for 10 or 11 hours a day doing parent-teacher conferences after school until 5 um, and getting there at 630 every morning so it's just been a lot and as much as I wanted to sit down and put out an episode I just knew that the quality wouldn't be there and my heart wouldn't be in it and so I just didn't and I apologize for that but I do want to thank all of you who reached out and asked you know how I was and if I was coming back I do have two more episodes after this one that I would like to post and that's going to wrap up season one so I would like to have that finished before the holidays start um so all of that to say is that our schedule as a family, it's finally settling down. Things are settling down and things are getting a little bit calmer. Um, it's just for a while there, things were really crazy. And this podcast was one of the things I had to put on the back burner as much as I didn't want to. But sometimes you have to put your mental and emotional well-being and your family's mental and emotional well-being first and make sure that they're getting the attention that they need to. So I appreciate everybody understanding and I do want to say thank you so much to everyone who, like I said, continue to listen and 
even though I haven't had a chance to upload a new episode in the last month, the Millennial Foster Mom Podcast has topped over 1,300 downloads, and I just started the show in the end of June, I think, early July. It was like in the middle of summer, so it really has not been that long, and I'm just so humbled and so grateful for that. And there's even been a few new reviews, so thank you from the bottom of my heart for continuing to support the show, even though I had stepped back for a few weeks. So, on top of all of the family stuff going on, um, I also survived my first nine weeks as a pandemic teacher, including parent-teacher conferences, like I mentioned, and getting three new students over the course of three days, and gaining a little bit more confidence in myself as a teacher. And most importantly, over this past month, we have found our new home church. And I will tell you, I have never felt the way that I feel walking into this church. Everyone in our family is excited to go and to wake up. And this church is an hour away, so we do have to wake up early to get there. And everybody is just so excited to get out the door. And as soon as we walk in, it's just a great feeling. So... We have felt pretty lost the past year or so because we did not have a church to call home. And I just felt this amazing connection to it. And it has an amazing children's program. So through this, um, my husband and I have recommitted ourselves to God and raising our family in his word. And now I feel like our family is on the right track. And I've never really shared my personal beliefs on this podcast because I didn't want to exclude anyone. And a lot of times most fostering and adoptive podcasts can be very isolating when they only speak to those who believe what we believe. And I never wanted to do that with this podcast, but I do want to be honest about what we believe because I would not be speaking my truth if I did not share this part of me. And if you would have asked me a month ago what my thoughts were about spirituality, I probably would have given you a much different answer. But our God is a God of restoration and a God of grace, and his hand is in foster care and adoption, and he is faithful. And when I don't understand the decisions of defects or of birth parents, I'm going to lean on his understanding and not my own. And I had really backslid for reasons I'm not really going to get into, but I have found my way back and it feels better than ever. And it's given me such peace and clarity now that we are back in church and in his word. And our preacher urged us to enter into a season of fasting from now until the end of the calendar year. And now most of the time, fasting means to sacrifice food, but I'm a little scared to do that because of my migraines, but I'm going to try One of the things I'm choosing to fast from is social media, and I was already pretty limited on the platforms I was on, but two weeks ago, right before our really short two-day fall break, I deleted Instagram from my phone so I could enjoy more time with my family, and so our preachers suggested social media fast this past Sunday along with a traditional fast, and that was just the sign I needed that I was on the right track. So I will not be back on Instagram until at least January, if not longer. I'm currently reading Hands-Free Mama, and that kind of inspired me to make this change two weeks ago, but it just kind of reconfirmed that on Sunday that this is what I should be doing. And there's definitely good that can come from social media. Um, I've connected with so many of you through social media, which I love, and that's probably my favorite thing about it. But in this busy time where I need to be focused on my life as a wife 
and a mother and a teacher. It was just becoming a hindrance. Um, and that's on me. That has nothing to do with any of you or anybody I follow online. It's just my personal um, difficulty having boundaries with that. And so going forward, if you would like to connect, I would love if you would just still email me through the Millennial Foster Mom Podcast at gmail.com because I will not be checking the direct messages on the Instagram page since I no longer have Instagram on my phone. I still have an active account, but I am not checking it. So I will probably add a blurb on the bio just to redirect everybody to um, email me instead of trying to message me or connect with me through Instagram. So the other life update I wanted to give is that in two weeks, I am officially entering a new decade. I am turning 30 and I honestly cannot believe it. And as I look back on the last decade, I see so many high moments. I mean, it started right off the rip with getting married at 20. I earned two master's degrees. I became a mom and we bought a house. But I also see so much hurt and confusion and insecurity. So I am making a commitment to myself that this next decade, for however long I'm allowed to live it, even if it's all 10 years, I'm going to make it the best I can. And I know who I am now. I know who I serve. And I am making a vow to myself to be a better steward with our finances and our home. My daily prayer includes asking God to make me the wife and the mother and the teacher he wants me to be. And I am so excited to lean into this growth. So with all that being said for my life update... With my first episode back, I really wanted to talk about something that all moms, dads, adults, teens, caretakers of small people can relate to, which is food. I absolutely am obsessed with all things grocery shopping and meal planning. And I think it all started when we got married when we were 20. We were broke as broke can be and had a very, very tiny grocery budget. Um, We did not get any help from, any financial support from, I shouldn't say help. There was not the expectation that they would help us. We were the ones getting married at 20. Um, We just did not have any financial support from either of our sets of parents or anyone. So we were completely on our own. Um, On paper, you know, it always looks like you can make it, um, but you always have those things that come up. So Our grocery budget was really small. We were only two people, so it was doable, but I learned a lot. Um, This was the time that Pinterest first rolled out, so I taught myself to cook a lot of stuff in that first apartment that we had, and I also had to learn how to make a food budget and how to shop the best sales and which grocery stores I should use. I learned the magic of Aldi once our city that we were living in at the time finally got one. And I also learned how to shop at Dollar Tree for groceries, which I don't know. I still, I love Dollar Tree. It's always going to hold a special place in my heart. So over the years, we've had our grocery budget expand in times where we've had to shrink our grocery budget. Our grocery budget and food are one of the ways I feel like I contribute to my family And if we get to the last weeks of the month and we only have, you know, $150 or $200 left in our budget for groceries, I know I can make it work. And so there's a confidence that I've gained over the years with, you know, food and planning our meals. So today, 
for this episode, we are going to talk about food and meal planning for changing family sizes when you are a foster or adoptive parent. And this is an episode that I have had on my list for quite some time, and I'm so excited to finally be able to talk about it because uh, I feel so weird of how much I love talking about food and meal planning and um, all of these types of things. So I hope that somebody out there at least gets something out of this and that there's some nugget of truth or wisdom that can help inspire somebody to take control of their meal planning or their food budget or something. So anyway, for our wedding, we're going to start at the very beginning. Someone gave us a Target gift card, and with that gift card, I bought a magnetic monthly calendar, and this thing has literally hung on our fridge in all four homes that we've lived in since we've gotten married. And not only is it the epicenter of our family's schedule and appointments, but it also serves as the place where I write down our dinners. And I color code everything on the calendar. The date and the dinners are in black. Appointments, birthdays, and events or reminders are in blue. And paydays or days school is closed are in red. So this system has worked really well for us over the last decade because then everyone can see what the main entree is for dinner. There's not enough space to put like side dishes and stuff, but I have a different system for that, which I'll share later. And, but this is still nice because it's, it's there and I can kind of see how our month is going to go and what days we might need to plan an easy dinner because we have a late appointment or a late practice. So I suggest getting some kind of calendar or some kind of visual aid that everybody in your family can see and is just the hub of your family. So I've tried everything for our family from shopping once a week to every two weeks to once a month. And I found with our family size of six, it's just too overwhelming to do a monthly shop right now. And the most I can do is about two weeks at a time, but even that is pushing it because we just don't have a ton of storage space right now. You definitely have to find what works for your family, and it might take some trial and error. So as far as the actual physical meal plan, um, I had a book that I bought off Amazon for $6.99, and I liked it because it had a place for meals and enough room to add side dishes, and there's also a spot for breakfast and lunch ideas and a grocery list. This will last a full year if you only shop once a week, but I recently got to the last page, so... I've just been using a piece of notebook paper and writing out the day and the dinner and the sides. And then I post this under our magnetic calendar. It's not as pretty, but it's frugal and it gets the job done. And I used to be so bad about coming up with a main dinner idea, but not planning for sides or just trying to wing it and not having enough options to pull out for sides. So this has definitely been the remedy is making a list for the week or the two weeks, whatever I'm shopping for, and having not only the dinner, but the side dishes that we're going to have with it. So I know we have enough of everything, and then that way I can also shop what we already have in our cabinets and in our freezer. We haven't had a new placement in almost two years, so our family size hasn't actually changed since then, but I will say our kids' appetites sure have grown. So even if your family size hasn't changed, you might be struggling to make adjustments based on diet or appetites. I know for us, anytime I make a modest portion, it is always the time everyone is starving and wants to eat everything in sight. 
But if I make extras, it is always the day that no one is hungry. And every single mom said amen. So my biggest tip for being prepared for changing family sizes or appetites changing is to stock up on the basics. These are things that are easily manipulated or can be stored for long periods of time. Things like rice and beans and popcorn, oatmeal and pasta. Frozen vegetables are cheap and are also a good option and are healthier than canned goods since they don't have the added sodium. My other tip is to be mindful of convenience foods. When you're feeding a crowd, you have to weigh your cost versus your time. Do you want to save money or do you want to save time? My kids love mini muffins, the kind that come in the four pack with um, four muffins. But with four kids, they can polish off a whole box in one sitting. And those things are like $4 for one box. And I think altogether you only get like 20 so like five different packs. So it's much more cost efficient to make a batch of banana nut muffins in a mini muffin tin, which I purchased from Home Goods for less than $10. I give up maybe an hour of my time for much more product and a healthier version of the same size muffin. For things my kids eat at home, usually I try to make homemade as much as possible. The classes my kids are in are not doing class snacks this year. Praise the Lord. Each child brings their own. So for those, we do typically purchase prepackaged snacks like pretzels or crackers or Teddy Grahams. But you have to figure out what works best for your family and your children and your situation. We buy these items specifically for class snacks. So these snacks are not for eating while at home. So now I'm going to talk a little bit about where I get my ideas for our meals and meal planning. So I am obsessed with watching grocery hauls on YouTube. It is like my embarrassing little secret. It helps me get new ideas and see products that I might not have known about since we typically do grocery pickup and I don't walk through the store as much anymore. I love watching J. Morrell Stewart um, on YouTube. She is a homeschool mom of eight with one on the way and she is all about balance in their meals and feeding crowds. If you are feeding a large family, definitely check her out. I love finding families that are bigger than mine or have the same amount of kids so I can find new ideas. Another great mom to follow is Jordan Page. I'm sure you've already heard of her. She is very well known and is a mom famous for her budgeting boot camp and helping people live on less. Her formula for grocery budgets is $100 per person per month. And for our family, I try to stick to $600 a month because we have six people, which includes everything as far as household goods and food except for dog food. Our dog is on a specialty diet and we get his food from Chewy.com. Now I will say over the course of the quarantine when everyone was home and we were feeding everyone three meals a day, there were a few months where our grocery bill was way too high. I'm talking like there was a month where there was a comma. Yeah, let that sink in for a second. It was... Oh, it made my stomach hurt so bad to think that we spent that much. Um, And that was just being lazy and not disciplined. So I have gotten it pared back down, luckily. And this month, I'm actually challenging myself, instead of doing $600 for the month of November, to do $400. We'll see how close I get. Um, Because I know Thanksgiving is coming and we are actually making Thanksgiving dinner at our house this year. So we will see. But I'm going to try my best. So... 
I have gotten our grocery budget pared back down, um, but keeping meals simple has really, really helped. And both of these ladies have great ideas for doing that on their YouTube channels and their websites. So do check them out if you need a little extra inspiration when it comes to the kitchen. So when it comes to meal planning and actually finding ideas for new meals or snacks to try, I try Pinterest first, um, but I do have a love-hate relationship with Pinterest, and I'm sure many of you can relate to this. I just get so tired of clicking on a recipe and then having to scroll a million times and getting inundated with ads just to find the recipe. So what I'll usually do is go to the print view of the recipe and screenshot it so I, it doesn't have any extra images and it's the concise recipe and steps. Um, and then I'll save that picture, that screenshot, to an album on my phone, either under favorites or recipes, just so it's easier to find instead of having to scroll through the camera roll. And I do want to say, I understand that bloggers are just doing what they have to do to get paid, and that's why they have the ads. I just think some sites can be a little excessive. I also love checking out cookbooks from the library. Our library opened back up over the summer after COVID shut it down, so I'm so thankful for that. I recently checked out the Magnolia Table Cookbook from Joanna Gaines. Um, interlibrary loans and those holds are like the best thing ever and it feels like Christmas when I go in to pick up a book that's finally come in and it's also really awesome when you see how much the book would cost retail and know that you're borrowing it for free. I think cookbooks are so fun but unless you're going to use it a lot sometimes they can really be a waste of money. I know for me that's true. I just don't use cookbooks enough um, and so I just pull like a recipe here and there and so it's much more cost efficient to borrow them or request them from the library um, and then you know if it's a recipe book I actually end up really loving and there's quite a few in there I like I will go out and buy it but otherwise this is the best way that I've found for us to try new recipes find a few things that we like but still keep that cost low. So as for where we actually do our grocery shopping at, I typically use Walmart Grocery Pickup um, just because it's only about 10 minutes away from our house and it's so easy just to pack the kids in the car and go pick our groceries up and come right back home and not ever have to get them out of the car or make them wear a mask. So there aren't many grocery stores in our town and the closest Aldi is an hour away. <sighs> Moment of silence for that. I'm still praying that they open one up here one day, but we'll see. Sometimes we do make the trek for something different, but Walmart is usually our best bet. We also have a BJ's membership, but our closest BJ's is an hour away as well in the opposite direction, and we only go about two or three times a year. So I used to work in the town where it's located, so we used to go a lot more often. We do a stock up a few times a year at BJ's, and for our family size, it does help. I think that all foster parents should get an automatic Costco or BJ's membership along with their foster license. I just think it'd be really helpful for everybody. So I also love Full Cart. A lot of people have not heard of Full Cart. They've changed a little bit this year because of COVID. But Full Cart is a meal box that has shelf-stable foods for a super low price. It is not a subscription. Um, we've pretty much loved everything we've ever gotten in it. Um, there's stroganoff kits and pasta meals. Um, 
soups. There's been brownie mixes and some individual snacks, apples and sweet potatoes. Um, since the pandemic started, they have not been offering boxes. They've been allocating their food sources to emergency food needs, which is honorable and completely understandable. But if they ever do come back in stock, I definitely recommend checking out Full Cart. It is one of those kind of fun things to do. Um, I'm not into subscription-based meal delivery kits and stuff. I think they're way overpriced and they don't really work for big families. I've yet to find one that would actually feed all of us that would not cost $80. So I don't really do those, but this is a fun way to kind of get stuff like that. And you have to have stuff to supplement it if you would like sides, but, um, it's a nice way to have something different. And I would just say, look into it. Or if you, want to. I know they're always looking for donations to help with emergency food needs, um, especially now with the pandemic and stuff. Um, I believe it was back in March when they stopped shipping out their boxes and started just doing emergency food, which I think is wonderful. When you meal plan for a family size that might fluctuate, another tip is to always make extra. It is always better to have too much than not enough, as Julia Child would say, especially if it's something that could be used as leftovers or frozen to use as a meal at a later date. So a lot of times, like if we have a soup and we only have three servings left instead of, say, six servings, which would be a full meal, I will save even those three servings and freeze it and then pull it out and we could have sandwiches with it and then that way everybody has a little bit of soup and a sandwich so it's a full meal. Um, so a lot of times when we use um, the crock pot we will use it every Sunday at least um, because we go to church and we don't get home until later in the afternoon but honestly I use our crock pot at least I don't know three times a week. So we will have leftovers and I'll label a freezer bag and place the leftovers in it and freeze it. We will usually eat it within the next month. Um, I like to keep those rotated meals. Um, we have to remember a lot of kids that come into foster care dealt with food insecurity. They might eat their food so fast they don't taste it. Or you might notice that it seems like all they ever do is eat each child is different, and each child might display the after effects of this in different ways. So be patient. Assure them there is always enough food. On nights where we end up not having enough of an entree, if everybody eats it and loves it, I'll be sure to clean out the fridge and pull out any fruits or vegetables that need to be eaten up. That way, even if my child who did deal with food insecurity feels like they need to eat really fast, they can see there is still food on the table if they do finish. Or we'll discuss other things they can have that are in the fridge or the cabinet. So if you don't have a stockpile, I think March of this year has taught us all that we need one. Even if it's just a small one. We have a food storage shelf in our basement along with cases of water and gallons of water. Stocking up can be done even if you don't have a ton of wiggle room in your grocery budget. Jordan Page's advice is to buy one for now and two for later. So if you are buying a carton of chicken broth, you would buy one to use now and then buy two to put away for later use. Food storage is imperative for large families. Large families were struggling earlier this year when there were limits on quantities, and in a lot of places, there are still limits. We've been working on building up our food storage shelf for the past few months, so each grocery shop, my husband will tell me what to add. Um, he's really into prepping and stuff, so, well, okay, he's not 
that makes it sound like he's one of the doomsday preppers. He's not like that kind of prepper. He just likes to be prepared. I think that's totally a male thing. And uh, I don't mean to generalize. I don't want to offend anybody. Anyway, my husband is the one that's into that. He tells me what to add. I don't really keep up with that kind of stuff. So he's the boss man of that. So this year we have added things like flour, rice, bags of beans, canned goods, yeast, evaporated milk, matches, oils, and a few other things um, like canned vegetables and canned fruit. These are all basic ingredients that we can make into meals if needed. I also try and keep a stock of toilet paper I will grab. Um, even if we're not almost out, I will go ahead and get some just because you never know when a toilet paper shortage might happen again. So, um, that is something that you definitely need to think about, especially if you have a large family. This is something that you can start small, even if it's just a few things here and there. Um, I know there's places like BJ's that sell pre-made like emergency buckets that, um, have food and stuff in it, um, emergency preparedness kits. That's something you can look into if you would like to. Um, but just having a stockpile in your home, that would be available if something were to happen like it did in March, just to supplement what you already have in your fridge and freezer in your pantry. It will give you a lot of peace of mind and it will help you feel like you are being a good steward of, you know, your family and making sure that you have all that you need. So for the last part of this episode, I just wanted to share some of my favorite recipes that I've discovered this year. Um, I've really gotten back into cooking this year, especially from scratch. And so that's been nice. And I feel like I'm really contributing to our family that way and teaching our kids that you can cook from scratch and um, you can make your own food from home. And I know that this episode, I feel like we've gone here and there and everywhere. I know it seems like it's been all over the place. I just want to thank you for getting to this point, and I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed talking with you. Um, so I'm going to share this, and then we'll get into roses and thorns. So um, over the summer, we reevaluated our food choices in our diet, and based on the health of those in our home, we decided to eliminate red meat and pork from our diet. So we eat mostly vegetarian and poultry with some seafood occasionally. Most of our kids don't really care for seafood, so it's kind of hit or miss, and it's also kind of expensive, so that's not something we do a lot. Um, as far as going out to eat or eating lunch at school, we don't limit our kids. They can eat whatever they want when we go out or when they eat at school. This is just something that we do at home. Um, so nobody's isolated and we're not making, you know, five different meals for our family each night. So here are some of my favorite foods that we've discovered this year. These recipes can be found on Pinterest or with a quick Google search. So some recipes that we love are veggie pinwheels. Um, this is a super easy recipe. Um, we usually serve this if we're using it for a dinner with fruit and chips or um, it would probably also be good with... I don't know. I would say a pasta salad, but it depends on what kind of pasta salad. Um, 
not the mayonnaise based kind because there's mayonnaise in the veggie pinwheel stuff so anyway it's really good just try it look it up on pinterest that's where it came from um there is also a vegan lentil and black bean chili that we have been loving it is so good and you don't even notice that there's no ground beef or meat at all in this chili so very good um sheet pan pancakes I've made this once already and we're having it tomorrow night for dinner. Um, we're having breakfast for dinner tomorrow night because we have our first home visit since March. So we needed something easy and fast and we are having this again. Um, last time I made it, I cut up banana slices on top of it and it was super delicious. All the kids loved it and it made so much more than traditional pancakes and it was so much quicker and so much easier than having to stand at the griddle and make each individual pancake. So if you are a mom of many, please consider doing sheet pan pancakes. Your future self will thank you. You can find this on Pinterest. There's a million recipes on there for this. Um, granola is also another one. It's also super easy to make. I never realized how easy it was to make until uh, a few years ago. But I really got into making it this year because my kids are weirdly obsessed with yogurt. And I like to put granola on their yogurt just so it's a little bit more filling. So granola is another one. Um, there's a ton of different variations of this recipe. Honestly, I don't even follow one usually. I just add what I think will taste good. So um, there was a cookbook I checked out a few weeks ago from the library that had some breakfast smoothies in there. And one was a strawberry coconut smoothie that had coconut water and frozen strawberries in it. And it was so good and it also had an orange banana smoothie. And it was also amazing. I cannot remember for the life of me which recipe book this came out of. Or I would link it in the show notes. So if you search either of those on Google or Pinterest, hopefully it pops up for you. But both of those were really, really good. And probably the best smoothies that I've ever had in my entire life. Um, the next one is a beef and barley soup. Hold the beef. Also, I could not find barley at our Walmart grocery pickup, so they substituted barley, and I got quinoa instead, and so it worked out perfectly. It cooked perfectly fine, and this was actually a recipe that we had so much of. I froze half of it, and we just had it for another full dinner with bread, um last night after church. And finally, the real showstopper for the year that I've made probably 25 times so far, homemade crusty bread. I mean, it's, I don't know. I kind of feel like a real grown up because I finally started using yeast in the kitchen. For so many years, I was scared to use yeast. Um, but this year I finally started and making your own bread is really, really good. It is better than anything you could buy in the store and it takes really no time at all and each loaf is different I just love it it is so good and I have this recipe I will link it in the show notes because this is one that I definitely have saved on my phone so if you don't look up any of the other recipes at least try this one because it is so good 
So food is such a personal choice and you have to do what is right for your family. So luckily there are so many great resources out there to help with meal planning ideas and recipes. I love talking about food and sharing what I've learned. So if you want to connect to talk about food, feel free to reach out. Um, Just remember like there is a big, big disclaimer. I am no expert. I am just sharing what this mama and wife has learned over the past decade. So yeah, just take what you will. And if you don't like it, then I promise next time it'll be back to our regular scheduled content. All right, so it's time for the Rose and Thorn part of the episode. If you are tuning in today for the first time, Roses and Thorns is a time to discuss a high and a low from the week. And I like to start with the thorn so we end on a good note. So my thorn for this week is technology. I've been reading Hands-Free Mama by Rachel Macy Stafford, and it's so good. I mentioned this earlier during my life update. It's so eye-opening to how much technology is a distraction in our lives. And it's not even just social media. It's just, you know, our phones and being on them and computers and iPads and all of these things. I've deleted the Instagram app off my phone, which besides YouTube and Pinterest is really the only social media app I have. So if I don't always update the podcast Instagram page, excuse me, that's why. I've also been trying to learn boundaries with the parents of my students. A lot of them will message me after hours through the app we use in the classroom. And I have to remind myself that my time outside of school is my own. And I think that's something that um, nobody is going to do for me. And I've got to figure out a good balance with that because I know what it's like to be a parent and needing information from your child's teacher. So that is the thorn. Uh, It's not a bad thorn, just something that I'm working on and trying to balance so I don't miss any more precious moments with my family. So my rose is I don't typically go to Starbucks because let's be honest, it's ridiculously expensive and I'm more of a Dunkin' girl anyway. Dunkin' Donuts is where it's at. Um, But I will say, I tried the cold brew pumpkin cream drink, and it is so good. I'm not really a fan of pumpkin drinks, but this is the perfect blend, and you still get the taste of coffee, and it's iced. So good. My hack for you, though, is to ask for iced coffee instead of the cold brew. It's cheaper, and you can just add the pumpkin cream to the top for a little bit more. Um, but it still does not come out to how much the cold brew would have been. And this actually happened on accident because one of the places I went, the store had a Starbucks inside and they ran out of cold brew. So she gave me a nice coffee and she asked me if it was okay to switch the cold brew to the iced coffee. And I asked her, I said, it pretty much just tastes the same, right? And she said, yeah, it's just cheaper. So from then on, I started ordering it with just the iced coffee. So um, that is your hack. If you are a coffee connoisseur, just pretend I didn't say that. Um, Otherwise, feel free to go check out the pumpkin cream cold brew at Starbucks because it's really good. Just don't forget to order it with iced coffee. So that is going to wrap up this episode of the Millennial Foster Mom Podcast. This is episode 13. The Millennial Foster Mom Podcast can be found on almost any podcast listening app. If you listen through Apple Podcasts, I would so appreciate if you would leave a positive review. I'm up to 10 reviews so far. With more reviews and downloads, the podcast will show up in more searches and can reach more foster and adoptive moms. If you could please leave a rating or review, I would so appreciate it. And a huge thank you to everyone who has already taken the time to leave a rating and a review. 
The Millennial Foster Mom Podcast is created using an app called Anchor. So I love sharing about meal planning and food in this episode. It was such a fun, lighthearted way to jump back into recording. And one of my favorite topics, I know it's so weird. So many people hate this stuff. They hate food and meal planning and all of this stuff, but I love it. I eat it up. So, well, pun intended on that one, huh? If you have any tips about meal planning, feel free to share them. I have a few more episodes up my sleeve to round out the first season of this show. Next episode, we are going to be talking about supporting our husbands in foster care and adoption. A lot of times I feel like our husbands or our partners, their feelings get overlooked. Um, Mamas most of the time are the focus and I will say even that has taken a long time. So I really feel like a lot of times our husbands get placed on the back burner in this foster care and adoption world. And so I want to talk about how we can support them through that. And then the last episode of season one is going to be about surviving the holidays with children who have been through trauma and how you can make it as good as can be and um, helping through through that trauma through the holidays. I've taken a couple of classes on this and I'm really excited to share what I've learned about it. So I'm hoping to get back to recording on my regular schedule, but if I fail, please show me some grace. I'm asking in advance. I don't know what's going to happen with my family situation and we are going out of town in two weeks for my birthday. So I'm definitely not going to quit. Just know that. Um, We have two episodes left. I don't know when they'll happen, but they are coming. Um, So I just might not post this frequently. So just hang in there with me. So if you would like to connect, you can find me on the Millennial Foster Mom Podcast Instagram page. I will not be as active on there, but um, you can definitely feel free to connect with other mamas on there. Or you can email me at the Millennial Foster Mom Podcast at gmail.com. So thank you so much, so, so, so much for tuning in and listening for this 13th episode. Coming back after a month-long break, it feels so good to be back. And remember, as always, motherhood is hard no matter how you get there. But together, we've got this, mamas. Talk to you sometime soon. That's what I'm going to say because I don't know if it'll be next week. But I'll talk to you soon, mamas. (laughs) 